Well, if you've got your Bible with you, uh, we're looking at Galatians chapter 4 and verses 1 to 20. Um, so if you turn to that, I think we've got it on the screen. It'll come up as three sections. Um, but first, let's pray. Lord, please help us now as we come to uh, study your word, help it to be about worship and about you, Lord. Please help us to glorify you as we learn about you. Amen. Okay. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because we are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have laboured over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I have become as you are. You didn't mean no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn nor despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out and make you make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am with you, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish as of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Uh, if you're new here or if this is, you've missed a few weeks, um, the setting for this passage is Paul is writing to a group of churches in Galatia, which is a re region in Western Asia. Um, the reason he's writing is because um, of a controversy that's broken out in the church over whether the Christians had to obey certain aspects of the Jewish law to be saved. Um, so for context, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, which we read, is one of the climactic points of the book, uh, where Paul is explaining that uh, we're sons of God, and as sons, we're heirs. Uh, in these verses, he explains that the whole of the Old Testament is not actually the um, adoption of sons, but it's more like a teacher meant to point for people towards something better. Uh, and because we're now sons, he says, God's spirit is dwelling in us, and that is a gift that Paul says in chapter 3, verse 5, could never come through obeying the law. Uh, it's a gift because we're sons, and because of this gift, we have this relationship with God through Jesus' spirit, and that is why we're able to call him Abba Father. And we, through that, we're given the same rights as sonship as Jesus, 
I mean, there's a distinction because Jesus is God and we're not, but as far as it's concerned, in him we're God's sons and God loves us as his sons. Our hope for salvation before God is not us, it's Jesus. Our joy in God is not us, it's in Jesus. And the condition for us having the Spirit is not us being holy, it's because Jesus is holy and we're clothed in his holiness. Yes. Uh, so our first point, if we look at verse 8 to 11, there is a, there is a problem. Uh, Paul is concerned for the Galatians because they're turning back from this blessing that he says they have uh, in verses 4 to 7. And they're turning to the slavery of verses 1 to 3. He tackles this by reminding them where they come from, saying, Formerly you did not know God, and you were slaved to those that by nature are not gods. Or as one translator puts it, gods which are not really gods. Uh, so um, we're on to idols again, which, if you remember my last sermon, was <laughs> took up much of it. So I'm slightly paranoid. Someone's trying to tell me something. <laughs> uh, the folly of idolatry... Uh, is that idols are weak and worthless, Paul says, and they cannot save you. Um, and this is because, as he says, they're not really gods. They cannot provide for you because they're not really gods. And they can't bring you joy because they're not really gods. Uh, we're made for one God, and if we worship other gods, we won't have that joy. And though this is not really the main point of the passage, uh, Paul mentions it because it is an important issue to us. As Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. It would be good to spend a few minutes just to think about it, and in doing so it should set the scene for what Paul goes on to say. Um, enjoying God is what we're made for. So yes, it's fine to enjoy good things, and God gives them to us as a gift. And it's not wrong to aspire to have more good things in life. But and we're meant to cultivate things and grow our uh, possessions and our friends. Uh, but we're not meant to idolize them because we're meant to worship God. Life is about God and it's not about things. For things are meant to point us to God. Uh, they're not an end in themselves. Uh, so if I don't want to make this a law about it, there are certain things that uh, we often give our time to. So for Gateway Church, example is, of course, Facebook. Uh, in that, um, if you say you love God more than Facebook, you should be able to tell that in the way you um, spend your time. If you say, I love God more than Facebook, and spend 10 minutes reading your Bible and 2 minutes praying a day, and then 10 hours on Facebook... You could, makes you think a little bit. Um, or if you say, I love God more than my friends and pray to God two minutes a day and um, spend all your time thinking about certain people or places or things you aspire to, um, you've got to ask yourself the question, which is more important to me? Uh, and the problem of this is ultimately... If you worship stuff, not God, and don't repent of that and never turn to God, the stuff will not save you from your sin, and you'll never know God. Uh, but the problem is different for Christians, that idolatry will lead to half-hearted Christianity. And Paul says, 
A good soldier is not distracted by civilian affairs. He wants to please his master. Uh, and the problem with half-hearted Christianity is it will lead to two things. First, it will lead to misery. Because, um, as a quote from John Piper says, half-hearted Christians know enough to feel guilty, but they don't go far enough into Christ to find real joy. And if we know that what we're doing is wrong, but don't take it to Christ and worship him, um, we know what it's like to have Christ. And we know that joy, but we're not living in it, so we're going to be miserable. And there's another problem, and that is that idolatry will lead to sin. Idolatry isn't just a symptom of sin, it's often the source. If you worship the wrong God, you'll ultimately serve the wrong God. And if you become like what you worship, then you'll become like something that is not holy. There's no one holy apart from Jesus, so he should be the whole object of our worship. Uh, Paul goes on, however, uh, to say, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back to weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Uh, Do you want to be their slaves once more? And by doing this, Paul is putting the law and uh, law-keeping in the same category as idolatry. He's saying, you did know idols and you worshipped idols, if you go back to a law, it's not the same God you're serving, it's a different God. It's the God of trying to serve God. Uh, the real, he, he is the real God, but you're trying to serve him in the wrong way, by your own strength. And it's weak and worthless, and it cannot help you, and it cannot save you. Uh, so what Paul is saying here is no matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, without Jesus and the adoption of sons, you're in the same place, and that place is slavery. He goes on to make it very clear in verse 10, saying, You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I've labored over you in vain. He's saying that if this is the case, I've wasted my time with you because you're not living as Christians. You're trusting in law to keep you. And if you trust in law, in any law to save you, you're not relying wholly on Christ. And if you're not relying wholly on him, then his death, and, uh, his death, the price paid for your sin, is not for you. And why would you want to give that up? Why would you want to give up the adoption of sons um, to, to go back to this slavery, trying to earn it? Um, I was thinking about this, and sometimes when I think about these things, I have quite silly scenarios in my head. So I was thinking of a son who uh, says to his dad, Dad, I know you give me all this great stuff. It really is quite good stuff. Uh, And I'm allowed to talk to you, and I'm allowed to uh, live in family home, and it's just great being with you. And besides that, you clothe and feed me and keep me safe but I was feeling like I've not really earned this. So I was digging around, and in my Bible I found these rules. And it says if I keep all these rules, I get to go to heaven. And so I was thinking that maybe we could live by that. So here's some rules, and if I keep them, I can stay in family home, and you'll love me. But if I don't keep them, I think you should kick me out, and I'll live on the street. 
<laughs> I mean, that'd be very foolish. Uh, and I think that probably shows maybe what is going on here with these people. But um, God has accepted them as sons, but they want to be slaves. And why would you want to be a slave when you're a son? And it's a real issue of life and death. Because if we trust in ourselves for salvation, if we trust in any law we've kept or any good deed we've done, we're not living as Christians. We're not Christians. Because the message of Christianity is there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Jesus did it all. Uh, But there are also some more subtle issues here. Maybe you are a Christian, but maybe your issue is that you think, okay, we're all saved by grace uh, through Jesus' death, but God won't bless me today and God won't like me today if I don't obey him. Uh, So you live your life trying desperately to please God so that he'll delight in you. I remember, honestly, when I was quite young, uh, I had this picture of heaven that everyone would get in by the front door and there would be this little side entrance for Tim because God wasn't really pleased with him and I'd sit in heaven with the dunce's hat in the corner while everyone else was having fun. But that's not true because we're adopted as sons and God loves us all the same, not because of what we've done but because of what Jesus has done for us. Or maybe that's not your fear. Maybe you're constantly looking at other Christians thinking, They have a great time. Why don't I have a great time? Uh, You watch them in worship and their hands are in the air. They're singing in tongues and you think, why can't I do that? Um, But that has nothing to do with how God views you. Your acceptance with God is not your experience. It's what God uh, thinks of you because of Christ. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe something bad happens in your life and you think, God must be punishing me. This wouldn't have happened if I hadn't done something wrong. Uh, But the gospel says that we're sons and that um, the price has been paid for our sin on the cross. And that means that there's no more price that can be paid. And if God was to punish us, that would be unjust because he has already paid the price. And there's nothing more to pay. He loves us all. Um, maybe none of those are you. But um, you think, okay, we're saved by grace. We've got all God's sons and all loved equally. Uh, anything that happens to us is for our good because God loves us. It's not a punishment. So you're really sorted out theologically. And you know that God commands us to obey him. But you forget that there's one aspect of being God's son, and that is that God gives us his spirit. And that he does this uh, to give us relationship with him, but also to help us fight sin. Um, Galatians 5 verse 16 says, Walk by the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So why would you go around trying to fight sin in your own strength? when God has given you a a gift of his spirit to help you do it. Um, But amid these uh, negative reasons not to turn back, Paul also gives a reason, but now that you've come to know God, or rather um, have been, sorry, but now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, um, 
now all scripture is God-breathed and profitable. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that. Uh, so when my commentary said, Paul here corrects himself, and then ignored the first part because it was a mistake, um, my mind naturally went to 2 Timothy 3.16. And, okay, it might have been a mistake, a slip by Paul, but if it was, it would have had to be a spirit-inspired 2 Timothy 3.16 mistake. And therefore... Uh, useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting commentaries. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it did make me think about this very carefully. Um, and knowing someone is the basis to a relationship. If you don't know someone, you can't really love them. For a simple exercise, think about your best friend. And over lunch, I want you to write a book about them with everything you know about them. Um, it might take you a bit longer than lunch. But over lunch, you could write a book about the postman because you don't really have a relationship with him. He brings the mail to you, but apart from that, you don't know him. And if you've got a set of old-fashioned scales, you can imagine which book would weigh more. And I hope that makes you see that we know more about the people we uh, love and have a relationship with us. But our problem, the Bible says, is no one can know God he is in heaven and no one has seen him. And in the Old Testament, Moses is told, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. And this is because of sin. Uh, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Paul writes, and the penalty for that is death. But God is holy and sinless, and so holy and sinless, in fact, that he cannot look at sin and stand for sight of it. So for us to be in his presence would mean death. But John, uh, when he wrote his gospel, saw this problem. He wrote, no one has ever seen God, but God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And this God he is talking about is Jesus, who Colossians 1 and 15 is the image of the invisible God. So what does it mean to know God? It means to know Jesus. Yes. Paul preached Jesus to the Galatians, and we read Jesus in the pages of the Bible. We know him through his spirit who is in us. And so we know God. Jesus is God, and Jesus is man. Uh, this is so that um, we could see how God lives and how God acts. Uh, Romans 8 verse 3 says, He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, by this, Paul means that if Jesus was with us now, he wouldn't glow and we wouldn't all die from seeing him. Um, but it does not mean he sinned. It just means he was like us. Uh, but there is another reason he came like us. And that was because he had to be like us to pay the price for sin. And so he lived a perfect life. But he paid our price that we couldn't pay. And so we are able to have a relationship with God through Jesus. We can't have a relationship with God through anything but Jesus. It's all about him and all through him. There's another aspect of this, that if, if you want to know more about Jesus, where do you look? Do you look to yourself or where do you look? The Bible is all about Jesus, so read the Gospels and start somewhere simple. Um, Jesus says, if you 
have seen me, you have seen the Father. So if you accept the Son, the Father, uh, you will accept the Father as well. And if you're accepted by the Son, the Father will accept you. Uh, so don't view uh, the Trinity as three different people. Uh, the Father who's the grumpy guy from the Old Testament and Jesus who's the nice one from the New. They're the same. Jesus is the image of God. Um, as, but then if as Christians um, we think we want to know God better, where should we be looking? We should also be looking to the Bible and reading the Gospels. Um, I was going to have more slides. I was going to show you two books that have helped me a lot. Well, one has a second, I hope, will when I start reading it. Um, <laughs> they're, by Andrew, they're by Andrew Wilson, who's speaking in Shrewsbury at some point. Um, yeah. uh, the first one is called Incomparable, but for some reason indescribable here. And the second one is, read, uh, is called um, God Stories. They're both... Uh, books with short stories or chapters about God. The first with um, just dis different aspects of God. Um, the second is more of a biblical overview with stories of how God dealt with creation and how God dealt with people. But if you want to look at those, I can give you the details for them. Um, but God also knows us, and that means something different. Sorry, I'm going to have to get a drink. Um, I don't know if you're known by anyone famous. I mean, we all know of famous people, but it makes a very big difference if they know you. I have friends who um, know the Robinsons. Jason Robinson was the England winger who scored for try that pretty much won us the uh, World Cup a few years ago. Uh, so one time while we were cycling uh, round Lancashire, he said to me, uh, Tim, we're quite tired, do you want to stop off at Jason's for a cup of tea? Um, and this is probably an opportunity I couldn't miss. But as we got to the gate, um, if I had rung the buzzer, and said, hi, Jason, it's Tim. I know a lot about you. I've read all about you and the papers and stuff. Uh, the gate probably wouldn't have opened. But it opened to my friend, and that's because he knew Jason, and Jason knew him. It's all very well knowing someone, but unless they want to know you, um, there's no benefit to you. And it's the same with God. We're God's sons. We're not God's slaves. And we're not people that God has no opinion of. We're people he loves dearly, and he wants to know us. For, and the good news is that the Bible says he knows all about us, um, from the day we were born to the day we die. Um, and there's another side to this. Um, and at this point, I'd like to ask if there are any mass murderers in the room. Um, I doubt... There are, but if there are, none of you put your hands up, and that's for a very good reason. But if it's you, you don't really want anyone to know. Because if you had a secret that big, and we've all got friends here, you'd pretty soon lose your friends if they found that out about you. 
But the good news about God knowing about us and knowing us is he knows all our sin from the day we're born to the day we die. So there will never be that one sin you commit that shocks God. And there will never be that conversation in heaven. You know what Tim did today, I've just given up with him. (laughs) That's not going to happen because he knew me before I was born, before the creation of the world. And he knew every sin I would commit. He planned all my life and yet he still loves me. My acceptance with him is not my performance, it's Jesus' life in my place. Uh, Paul goes on, and we'll read it again. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn nor despise me but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. And then, what then has become as the blessing you felt? For I testify that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish as of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Uh, Paul says, become as I am, because I became as you are. And by this he is talking about Paul, who was the Jew of Jews, who said in chapter three, uh, 1, verse 13 to 14, that he was advancing in Judah, Deism beyond any of his contemporaries. But when Jesus revealed himself to Paul, Paul says, I did not immediately consult with people, um, but all go back to Jerusalem, but to Damascus, and then to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, <coughs> as Jesus had told him to do. When Jesus met with Paul, Paul was freed from the law and from slavery. He was made a child of God. And so Paul turned his back on uh, his former ways and keeping the law and found freedom in Christ. And we have a great freedom and joy in Jesus. Uh, We don't have to remember for feast days. We don't have to worry about uh, whether the steak we ate last night had uh, blood in it. And we don't have to have charts of the feet or feeding habits of livestock Um, And if we're lost on some desert island, you don't have to starve. You can eat lizards. Um, We're free from all those laws. Yeah? Um, It's all good stuff. (laughs) Bear Grylls, I did, yeah. And more than that, though, we have freedom in where we worship. Uh, No more endless flights to the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, God is with us and we as his church are his temple. Amen. Uh, the temple is where God is and that is where we are. So we don't have to go there. But it's more than that and much more. For before, it was just once a year, one man got to go into the temple into where the presence of God dwelt. And his job was to offer sacrifices to God so God would not kill everyone for their sin. But Jesus has done this once and for all. 
And so we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, God's presence actually in us. Um, if we look back to those times, they would have died or just to know what we know. Uh, so don't ever belittle what you have, the adoption of sons, or think little of uh, having the Spirit. We're blessed to know God, and more than we can know, we should enjoy that. And don't let ourselves get complacent about it. Paul says here, uh, they make much of you, but only to shut you out. And his um, argument is that there are things that would take us away from the adoption of sons. There are people who would do that by their false teaching, by saying, oh, there are rules to holy living or tricks to how you can live a godly life other than the Spirit or other than living by Jesus. He says, don't listen to them. Send them packing. They're evil. He actually says in chapter 1 that they're cursed because of their teaching. Um, so don't go near that. And he says, fight for, uh, fight for the adoption of sons you have. Don't go back to slavery. Uh, be bold in how you deal with that. And get that it's all by grace in Jesus and live by him. Uh, finally, and I've tried slightly cheeky saying this, but uh, Paul says, make much of me. Why? Because he motivate, his motives are pure uh, and his desire is uh, to see the church, Christ formed in the church. Um, so I was thinking of this and read the end of the book. And it said, as for... As from now on, let uh, no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body for marks of Christ. Um, so, um, as, as I'm not in the leadership of the church, I feel I can say this, but as we look at them, um, we can say that they want for us um, that we should know Christ, and that we should be filled with the Spirit. I think... If you've been to any of the prayer meetings recently, there'd be one theme that we could say was going on and on until you wake up thinking, no God, be filled with the Spirit every morning. It's just in my mind. Um, and, Paul, and this is what Paul is talking about here. He wants, uh, wants the church uh, to get that. Um, so when we do have people who um, tell us that, we should um, follow them and we should not make their lives hard by pointing out their faults or their imperfections. But we should see that they want for us what is good. And that's Jesus. And that's about it. Um,